All right, well, first of all, cheers, boys. I'm really What's happy to on? do this cheers. with you guys. Oh, cheers. cheers. Long overdue. Was it 148 days away from Bitcoin 2020? Mm. And oh, yeah. uh, another anniversary today, right? Ooh, yes. Good call. The 11th anniversary of the Satoshi white paper. I think we need to do another quick right. cheers for that. To Satoshi. To Satoshi. And we're BSing beforehand, and we'll get into some of the topics that we're going to talk about because we're a very organized, well-fueled machine here. Uh, Rigo, you were in what was it, Seoul, South Korea. You were on stage. By the way, this is John Riggins. He does a number of things for us. He's our head of operations over in Asia, and you were at a oh, – what was the conference again? Yeah, so we have a little office in Asia, and uh, there was a, a conference there in Seoul. We have a little office in Seoul. There was a conference over there in Seoul uh, that we were a part of. Um, they put together a great panel. Yeah, Shout who were you on the, the panel? It was, uh, it was Adam Back, uh, David Chom, and Nick Zaba, yeah. uh, uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, it was kind of the first time they'd been together really talking about the history of uh, kind of cryptography and uh, the cypherpunk movement in the 90s and, uh, you know, hash cash to, to Bitcoin. Uh, and it was, it was a real fun conversation. So it's literally um, like the four greatest cryptographers ever. Exactly. All on one yep. stage. All, all four of us. So shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> all four of you guys. Exactly. <laughs> Shame on me, I haven't seen the video. We should put that in the show notes and, and put that out. Uh, how did you tell I don't think there's a video, but we, we did talk about uh, bringing the game back together uh, at Bitcoin 2020 and running it back and getting video <laughs> this time. So <laughs> we'll, we'll so, see, if, see if we can do it. Uh, that, that's awesome. Great plug. Thank you very much, uh, John. Uh, so having Zabo there is dope, which is a good segue. Into, exactly. Uh, uh, first keynote announced for Bitcoin 2020. Yeah, yeah. And we just announced the second one, which was Tony Hawk. So Tony I think Hawk. one of the cool things, especially everybody on Twitter, which was just amazing, uh, su- super supportive of Tony and like him being a Bitcoiner. A lot of people had questions. They were like, how is Tony even related to Bitcoin and so on? Maybe we'll spend some time just talking about the context and the, the, the story here without divulging too much in terms of our uh, magic. Uh, I don't know. How about this, Brandon? You want to give a little background? On yeah. Tony? So we can't give away the secret sauce, but uh, uh, it's a pretty interesting kind of story and a glimpse into how he gets stuff, stuff done over here. But basically, you know, uh, we were kind of uh, unwinding after Bitcoin 2019, talking about the cool things we we're going to do for the next conference. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, going through the moonshot, like, who would be cool? Like, what would be a really cool thing to, to have happen, which is a, a dangerous conversation to have, right? Especially here. Yeah, especially oh. here. Uh, but so uh, I don't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Pat. Uh, Pat had talked about, well, dude, like Tony Hawk, you know, he's like a, a longtime Bitcoiner. We were like, what? And uh, he showed us this tweet from back in May. This was right before the conference. So I think basically everyone in the office missed it because we were all just running around with our heads cut off. Uh, and... Tony said, like in in a you know random Twitter thread, like he had been holding Bitcoin since like for six years, uh, and uh, yeah, and like I mean that's longer than most people in the space, and like no one even knew it. Um, and it was right after the like big ramp up the that run in June when it went to 10k, so people were like really hyped, and then that guy was like, "Hey Tony, how cool would it be to ride this ramp?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, he was like, "I've been riding it for six years." Uh, so and no, and no big deal. It was just like not even a retweet. It was like in the replies, just, yeah, just randomly. Right. Like wow. he wasn't he wasn't trying to like hang his hat on that one. He's just the guy. So cool. that's Matter why so many people didn't realize that he's into Bitcoin because mm-hmm. he was just like nonchalant about it and so on. And then a lot of us that are in Bitcoin Twitter were like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like basically, uh, 
we kind of talked around and found out that, you know, uh, we knew someone who, you know, is a good friend of ours who actually could get us in contact with them. And he kind of, uh, gave us one warm intro and, uh, like 24 hours later, we hopped on the phone with Tony Hawk uh, and like Rod, you're on that call too. It was crazy. It, I mean, what people think about this guy, Tony Hawk is the real deal. I mean, he, it was just so cool. Jumps on the phone. We, we didn't even expect him to be on the phone. Jump on the phone, like, "Hey, this will, like, what are you guys thinking? I'm do- this. I'm down for this, this, and this." And Do you uh, context and like, what he thinks about Bitcoin. Do you kind of go into some of that? So, man, Save first that of all, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm fairly confident in myself, but I was starstruck, and I was just <laughs> like, uh, "You're Tony Hawk," and uh, I'm just going to listen now and uh, limit my <laughs> questions and so on. Prevent my voice from going really high. Yeah. Like it is right now, yeah, for sure. Um, so we didn't really get into it other than like referencing the tweet, referencing like kind of the gotcha. ethos of the conference, like, you know, it's Bitcoin and we want to bring the community together and really around DB's theme around making Bitcoin fun um, and removing all of just the BS that's surrounding, you know, that you can get into in the rabbit holes of Bitcoin Twitter. And, you know, I mean, I don't think he's really like into Bitcoin Twitter as much or knows like how crazy it is. Sure. And he was just like, yeah, that's whatever. We're down for this. And then we were talking through some ideas. And I mean, like we were thinking like this small, right? <laughs> when it comes to like, hey, we can... so if you're like the Bitcoin 2019, like if you, yeah, we're actually going to be knock on wood, we're going to be doing it at the same venue, SBN West again, but uh, it's going to be even cooler and badder than it was even last year. You heard it here first. Yeah, hot take. Uh, not too. Not, yeah, it's not, not even not that's, that's, It's like the worst kept secret like, that we yeah. have right now. Yeah, I know. I think actually the TBD link on the website actually links, links to SVN <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty funny. Um, so there, but like one of the cool things, uh, Brandon especially, as well as Justin, Pat, and the, the uh, event core team uh, are working on the permitting. So uh, we're actually in talks to block off the Twelfth Street and do a whole block party there. So we were at Bitcoin 2019, we had food trucks, we had a DJ set, we had a beer garden on top of the rooftop. We're actually going to be taking that experience and expanding it down to the 12th Street area. The reason why I explain all that is we're talking about like some small little ramp, little like children's park for Tony to, to skate on. And he's like, yeah... So I have my own ramp and uh, how about I bring my own ramp? <laughs> and we, yeah, when he says oh, his yeah. own ramp, it's a, it's a vert ramp. It is a ginormous like 40 like, by 32 feet. And it's, it's more than that, dude. It's, yeah. It is huge. Wow. Uh, and like, uh, so we immediately looked at like the, the road we're blocking off and we were like, well, it's literally not going to fit in that road. Uh, well, so, I mean, like into the details, I mean, you can expand on this. Like so this, is, this is something that people are asking a little bit on Twitter. It's like, Hey, can we bring it right? And they're joking. Oh, but then really, uh, we're working on. It. Oh, we're working on this. Yeah. Oh no. We some, some... from day one. I mean, from call. How about this? From call one with Tony, he, he's the one that brought this idea up, and with his own ramp. Skater at heart. So he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was just so badass, and and so we actually had to break down the 12th Street area. And if it, people are not going to realize this, but there's two sidewalks, and actually the sidewalk pops up just a little bit, right? So we have to factor that level in. And the other factor is, because we're still with SF permitting and so on, there needs to be a fire lane that goes through the 12th Street area, no matter what. So Tony's program is so massive that it takes up the entire uh, 12th Street uh, from you know left to right, if you will. So, so long story short, no promises, but we are, we are doing everything uh, known to man to make this happen. Yeah, make it happen. We, we yeah. still got some tricks up the sleeve. Right, yeah. Cool, cool. 
Yeah. So, uh, so we just jumped right into the, the ramp, which is pretty dope. And I think a lot of people are going to love that, that, that background. Um, so you mentioned his background in, in Bitcoin. I think that's something that he's going to talk about at Bitcoin 2020. Mm-hmm. Like, how the heck did he get into it? Why has he been holding for so long? I mean, if he's been in it for six years or so, Shit. Yeah. Yeah, I said shit. <laughs> All right. So can, ding 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 ding. Can someone hand me my phone. I need to get my drop it wallet. Uh so yeah, we got a bit piggy. So one of the dope things about over there. Yeah. Beer man, thank you. Thanks, beer and man. if you can grab me a beer, that'd be great. Me too, beer man. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. So one of the dope things, and especially with and I'll introduce Michael here at Tyberg on Twitter. Uh we get a lot of cool product. Uh thank you, my man. I appreciate that. Uh, and we got, so our friends at BitPiggy send us one of these and I'm a father, so I am trying not to swear as much. So I'm going to throw some sats into the BitPiggy and I think we're going to send it out once a week to a one lucky, uh, subscriber, somebody likes retweets and I'll let the marketing people figure that all that jazz out. Um, but yeah, I'm going to just send it right now from my drop bit and, uh, get that going. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm going to do 10,000 sets, which, by the way, it's hate So while Rod's sets. doing that, yeah, we're definitely going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, these sets will go to someone who is paying attention to us on social, for sure. And it's mostly going to be Rod's money because it seems like he has, ooh, ooh, he has the no, uh, let's not loud do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's done. There's 10,000 sets. Thanks, boss. Mike. Nice. Done. Roger, you need another one? Yeah, please, buddy. Um, so anyways, yeah, so from the social perspective, by the way, so we do this Tony announcement, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the fact that he engaged and then it was funny because there's like a, whatever, a two, three hour, like Delta in terms of his response. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it flooded with like so many questions, so many memes. And then uh, and like, as John said, like the ramp, right? Like, yeah. I was like asking about the ramp and then, and then he comes in and is like, I forget even what he says. He's like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, so can I bring my ramp? I mean, that like, was awesome. Like, <laughs> what was your take on, like, what was the hottest meme that you saw? Or what was? I thought it was cool. I think, I think the coolest part were so many Bitcoiners that we know in the industry and just people we see on Twitter. They were like, look, Mr. Hodel, he said, uh, and we'll drop this tweet somewhere, like, in the screen. But he was Thank like, you, wait, tell me that Tony Hawk isn't a Bitcoin maximalist. <laughs> and so there were so many people who were in Bitcoin didn't know this. And I think that was the coolest part. Because then you see Tony respond to this, and then we bring up, and someone else actually brought up the original tweet where he was like, I've been writing this for six years. So I think the shock factor, and then just making everyone happy, like, how awesome is it to find out that someone that you like... Yeah, that, that was actually... And, like, that's one of the things we were talking about when uh, we first, like, thought of who, like, when we decided Tony Hawk and everyone, uh, everyone was talking about, well, who's someone that is really hard, like, you can't dislike this guy because he's such a good person. Dude, one of the cool things, at least from my perspective, was seeing people that were like, hey, man, I got into skateboarding, you know, at such a young age. And Mm -hmm. now I'm into Bitcoin. I didn't even know you were into Bitcoin. Like, this is so dope. Or like, I mean, there was, uh, I forget her name, Katie, who was like somebody, I forget her name, Katie something was like, I'll bring my own mini ramp if Tony will skate. (laughs) Yeah. People were coming out of the woodworks in terms of cool ideas and so on. Well, the thing that we even talked about a little bit was like, there are parallels between these two groups, yeah, right? Like point. skateboarding and Bitcoin, they they have some similar values. There's like this rugged individualism. There's this, you know, peer review of, of what you're doing. You know, like uh, uh, there's this 
uh, freedom to kind of not go with the grain, the but be yourself. Okay. Like, uh, uh, there, there are really some, some key parallels to draw. And like, uh, the more we kind of thought about this idea of having Tony, the more we were like, you know, this is actually like, this is a good marriage of, of kind of two different groups. So for sure. Yeah. Countercultures for sure. Yeah. Is he the, is he well. the coolest Bitcoiner now? Who's like is we had it, we had some like celebrity type folks come out like in the, kind of the shitcoin boom. You had Mayweather doing some stuff. Yeah, you, you know, well, that's shitcoin. Like, who's the coolest? Who's the, who's the coolest Bitcoiner now? It might be Tony. That we, know, that we know of. That we yeah, know of. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Well, what about Kanye? Kanye, yeah. Is yeah. Kanye. But it, that was what we were talking about earlier. Like, is this Kanye whole soldier boy? <laughs> is it is it Memphis and I, I uh, a little partial soldier boy? But so I mean soldier. <laughs> I was talking to my mom. No disrespect. Like uh, earlier and. Uh, can't believe I'm going to say this, but I was talking to my mom about it. Uh, and she uh, brought up a really good idea that we should ask Kanye to do like a Sunday morning service after the conference, uh, like a Bitcoin service type thing. Hundred. Wow. This yeah. is a dangerous pie in the sky kind of thoughts, but uh, this is where the ideas come from. Yeah. This is how ideas are generated. They come from my mom. Yeah. Dude, that, that's <laughs> right. That's right, man. All right. So, uh, Tony's amazing. Nick's amazing. And to be honest with you on different just segments, areas, levels, whatever they may be. I think all the next speakers that we're going to be announcing are all so freaking amazing uh, in their own right that I can't wait over the next few weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and one of my favorite things about Bitcoin 2019 is that you know, we had a great lineup of like Bitcoiners speaking and, and there in 2019. And they're all just walking around the venue. They're all having a good time. Yeah. It's like it's such a like, you know, friend with friend thing. Bitcoiners together. So it's just a great vibe. So, so that's one other, and I'll, uh, we'll close with the whole Tony thing. Um, and this is, I mean, we're, we're giving all of our, uh, all, all of our points here, but I mean, Tony brought up like, Hey, like you want to just want to do kind of like a meet and greet and, you know, and so on. Like, how do I, you know, in a tame fashion, uh, interact with folks. And I, I expect, you know, Tony and everybody else to be kind of fit in that vibe, which yeah. is going to be, Pretty awesome. I think uh, Dorian Nakamoto was maybe our most uh, selfie uh, attendee last year. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know. Tony might be a little better uh, as a selfie uh, uh, person than, uh, than, than Dorian. But uh, I was just going to say, <laughs> he was so cool to have at 2019. because was, was cool, yeah, yeah. He was just one of us. Like He was walking around. You could come get a picture with him, and he's such a cool person in Bitcoin. That, that was yeah. such a casual thing. Shout out Crypto awesome. Graffiti for making that happen. That was great. Yeah. The best part was when we were breaking down, uh, he came and ate late, late dinner with us. Uh, just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Hung out for a while. It's great. It's awesome. All right. Let, let's close this. Uh, meaning uh, tickets. So what's crazy, we've almost sold a thousand tickets now. We're almost there. And we have differing views here, which is the venue capacity is 4,000. Officially. Uh, officially. Officially, uh, it is less than 4,000. What's the, what's the block party uh, street? Uh, we're going to figure out how to configure this in a way to maximize the number of people we can get there. But there's no way that we can configure this where we're not going to end up probably selling out of this thing. So, I mean, it, it's just a matter of uh, uh, time before all these tickets are gone. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. Man, I, I, I agree. So, like, if someone was doing an analysis, like, if you're tracking this, we're, like, tracking towards, like, a 400,000-person event yeah. based on where we are today. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen or it can't physically happen. Um, so when, when's the next time we're raising ticket prices? Uh, yeah, we're increasing them November 15th. They're currently 150 bucks in dollars if you pay with a credit card. 
uh, 100 bucks you pay with Bitcoin, and it's going to go up by 50 bucks each. So it'll be 150 with Bitcoin, cool. 200 with credit card. And uh, we're going half with Bitcoin. No, no, just 50 bucks off. off, yeah. And if you pay with cash, you can't get a ticket because no one likes fiat. Yeah. So keep Ooh. your dirty fiat to yourself. Mm. Now, we're also going to have a live stream and so on. So there's there, there's that opportunity. Um, the one thing here, and we're going to announce our sponsors, which is the actually the main reason why we're able to keep the ticket prices so low. So I think in the next two weeks, we're going to announce our initial Genesis partners. So I cannot wait to get those those folks uh, out to you as well. Uh, yeah, if anyone's like sitting behind their screen right now, like doing the math and figuring out like, uh, how the numbers don't quite add up for this to be a <laughs> successful conference. It's the sponsors. Like they're the ones that are able to, you know, let us have these low ticket prices. Totally. 100%. And next week, uh, speaking of next week, uh, one, oh, we're going to demo the HTC, uh, Exodus one S yeah. which is such a dope phone. Uh, Phil fun. Chen, yeah. Lawrence, Ryan, the team over at HTC. Well done. Well, we're going to show it next week on the happy hour pod. Uh, cannot wait. We're actually in Berlin and I actually bought one, picked it up. My full node's sinking right now, and we can't wait to show it. Um, but they're, you know, potentially selling your products in front of potentially four thousand folks, hundred thousand people on the live stream. Um, those are projections and such. I think could be a huge, huge opportunity. The um, so and and that's why we're only going to do what fifty bucks. So we can confirm that only fifty buck increments. But we're going to be doing those more often than not because we got to be staggering up till sell out for sure awesome all right tony set us up on the replies not me specifically but these three guys t- at tyberg at brandon underscore d underscore green don't, don't forget it right? okay sweet and at dist riggins we'll put that those in the show notes uh, one other topic especially since we got riggins here mr asia is uh china uh, a couple things let me go into the first one which is i mean i think on top of everyone's mind in Bitcoin Twitter, which is the whole Bitmain Jihan okay. uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe you want to first, and before I get into that, is uh, maybe talk about the Bitcoin in Asia podcast for a hot second, and then maybe talk about your background with... Sure, okay. sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm based in Shanghai, here for a couple of weeks, getting a new uh, passport, actually. But uh, 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 we are starting a... Something we're hearing a lot from... Uh, folks is, hey, we want some better analysis of what's actually happening in China, what's happening in Asia. Um, we're not really getting the right lens into what's happening there. Uh, and then people over there are really wanting to get kind of their story told in a more uh, you know, well-analyzed way. So we're starting a Bitcoin in Asia podcast focused exclusively on Bitcoin's development in Asia, uh, who the main players are, what's happening uh, you know, regulatory-wise, what the government ag- relevant gov- government agencies are thinking about it. So that's kicking off, I think, next week. We've already interviewed three people this week uh, with, some, with some good takes. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we will have someone uh, from the executive level of Bitmain in the next three weeks cool. on the pod talking about uh, what's been happening there. Definitely is a, a, a topic of conversation on crypto Twitter. Uh, WeChat's been blowing up about rumors and, and things happening, uh, which is mostly actually reported fairly accurately uh, over here. An English publication so far. I think kind of the gist of it is uh, it's really just a kind of intercompany drama that could happen in any type of company. Sure. It's more interesting to us, obviously, because it's a Bitcoin company. Um, but sort of the power struggle between uh, Jihan and uh, actually the larger shareholder and co-founder, uh, uh, 
who had been taking the company in more of kind of an AI focused direction. Uh, and something that's kind of interesting that really probably allowed Jihan to come in uh, when he did is Xi Jinping's comments last week, um, kind of being pro blockchain, pro cryptocurrency. Mm. Um, maybe give Jihan some uh, kind of confidence of investors and board members to kind of step back in the picture and make his power play. So it's an interesting development. Um, you know, I didn't think to plus, connect those plus, two. Uh, plus, uh, it's just a more bullish year for Bitcoin in general, right? So the, the business is doing better. They had AI divisions more uh, kind of, you know, the venture play for them as, as uh, the internal document said. So. That's sweet. Yeah. You know, I think I'm going to add something here. I think that's one of the coolest things that we're doing is bringing that like light to what's happening in Asia because, I mean, I'm an American. I work here, uh, and as much as I want to say I know what's going on in Bitcoin, that entire side is completely just uh, not segmented or like broken off, but I just have no uh, yeah, grasp on what's going on. Yeah, people have been saying that on. for a long time, and, and really the gap still hasn't been filled. So we're going to really focus. Uh, I'm going to be focusing really uh, – on uh, filling that and, and getting the right information out. Awesome. Here's a there dumb are people who are doing a good, a good job of it on Twitter so already, but uh, we're going to kind of put a real real uh, company focus on it. Dumb so. question because I didn't think to like link these two things, but like, what are the odds that Bitmain is somehow like going to be involved with uh, China's like digital yen currency? It's a good question. Proof of work, digital. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, not yen, by the way. That would be... Uh, all right, but uh, uh, yeah. Totally so, dumb question. So, uh, uh, so one person I was chatting with uh, yesterday was uh, the CEO of another kind of large blockchain company based in in China, VeChain. Um, blockchain and uh, enterprise blockchain focused, and uh, which is what uh, kind of Xi's comments were really uh, supporting, right? So, uh, one thing that's interesting that he said was that um, you know just just as of a week or so from the comments. They're already being just bombarded with uh, requests for them to kind of help bigger companies or government or local wow. governments build out uh, blockchain applications within themselves. So they're, they're just being bombarded with more, uh, you know, requests than they can handle at the company size they are. Wow. He said uh, it's exciting. Then one kind of risk for these blockchain companies, which are still relatively small compared to the Alibaba, Tencent, you know, Baidu, all these companies that are uh, kind of the tech giants of China and already have uh, the parties kind of. Uh, uh, you know, kind of hand behind them. Those companies are going to be going, uh, you know, heavy into blockchain also. And that's a tough competitive, uh, you know, landscape to, to be a part of when you're, you know, a $400 million company or $5 billion company versus a $100 billion company, right? So right. Uh, it's kind of a, a good problem to have, essentially. But, uh, 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 you know, could, could the competitive dynamics can be interesting there. There's going to be a lot of money going into it, a lot of local government funds uh, available for blockchain now. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting time to be working with blockchain in China. Yeah, and so wow, that's actually I learned a couple things new there. The the so you're you're not only talking about China, but you're talking about overall Asia. So obviously sipping on that uh, uh, Japanese beer. So how do you look at each of those different areas? Out of curiosity. Sure, sure. Yeah, so mainland China is its own is its own thing. Uh, I guess you, you traditionally you kind of break it up into three areas: mainland China. Uh, East Asia, which would be like the developed uh, economies of like Japan and Korea, and Southeast Asia, uh, you have like Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore, Hong Kong. Just geographically, you kind of break it up that way. Um, but you know, Japan, uh, Korea, mainland China are all very uh, unique places. Uh, as we saw from the controversy at the Winter Olympics this year, I don't know if people paid attention to that, but 
the Korea uh, Japan rivalry is actually kind of ramping up lately. Yeah. Japan China rivalry is kind of ramping up. Not not fully uh, kind of business focused, but do you think we're way behind? Like with the whole Libra stuff that's happening right now, like Congress is holding this up. It seems like it, again at a very surface level. Sure. So, and I don't know information as well as you do, but at a surface level, it seems like Xi is out here is talking about quote unquote blockchain, whatever that is, but blockchain technology we need to invest in this and, and so on. Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, I'll say this: when you talk to executives in China. And they, they, you know, probably kind of have to, to have this narrative uh, publicly, essentially. But I think they, I think they do generally believe it. That the government system over there is just so much more efficient at allocating uh, and uh, kind of driving innovation in the right direction, or in a direction that they, uh, you know, want it to. Which, if it's the right direction, is uh, you know better competitively than the situation we have, where uh, you know we have Congress. Everyone wants to uh, get their own, you know, face on a, a tweet. Uh, haranguing Zuckerberg about something when, uh, you know, and not really kind of coalescing around what's best for America uh, competitively long-term, what what would we be focusing on? So I think certainly, uh, you know, that dynamic is, uh, you know, shows itself in all sorts of industries, but in crypto right now, it's, it's, it's relevant in China. If they kind of pick the right directions, they can probably surpass us and like how fast they develop. So So, let me put on my, uh, my Bitcoin maximalist hat real quick though. Uh, Let's pretend for a second that China just drives all of its innovation towards blockchain. And I know that most blockchain is just, even though she won't let you say it, blockchain may be a scam, right? Like, in the long run, is America actually benefited by the fact that they're holding up all of this crazy, you know, uh, uh, industrial push towards blockchain and then China's going to just pour their economy into it and potentially have it be a dead end. Like sure, and and pour their economy into it. China can, uh, you know, it can be 0.5 percent of what, what new spending or something next year, and it's, it's sure. a, a, a larger amount of money. They're not. Uh, it's still less of a push for them than like 5G or AI or something like that. Um, that's good to know. But uh, but yeah, to your point, I think that's a great point. And uh, I think the Volt something else was kind of interesting. It's like, uh, yeah, first the enterprises go for blockchain, not Bitcoin. Now it's the government's turn. Uh, which, you know, I, I would agree with generally. Um, one thing that's interesting, though, uh, is that like in Sichuan and some of the provinces in China where mining is uh, uh, very, uh, you know, mining's kind of concentrated in these areas. And in the past, it's kind of had to be, you know, kind of under the table payments and uh, skirting around uh, regulators in some senses. Uh, now that's being encouraged. So you have, uh, you wow. know, comments and, and uh, you know, from uh, papers in those areas, pro mining industry, pro these things. Wow. And so that's that's kind of the place where hey, Bitcoin is is actually they're not going to say it publicly, but Bitcoin is considered a part of this. And even in some of like the education that they're pushing out through uh, state channels, Bitcoin is like you know said to be like the start of all this. And so uh, so if mining can concentrate in China still, and the government can support that, that's a competitive advantage for, for sure, sure in for Bitcoin. Sure. When you uh, say now it's being encouraged, do you mean now literally as in like in the past two weeks now? Or do you hey, mean like it's, it's been a long time? It speaks kind of- to how uh, that like, you know, everything moves faster because it's this kind of top down thing. So she says something, all the papers or start reporting on this thing, saying these things, and the local governments try to kind of compete to be the most pro this thing that they can be. Well, one thing that people, people uh, maybe think, I say top down, people think about China as a very centralized government and it just all... Uh, is dictated from the top, but these local governments really do have autonomy. At the same time, they want to impress the kind of party that's 
you know, headquartered in Beijing. And so they uh, try to do that by outcompeting each other on these uh, kind of verbalized initiatives. So you brought up mining, which is really cool. And yeah. next week, uh, BTC Cass will be back in the office, and uh, she's heading up our What's Happening uh, Mining pod, mining Focus podcast, which would be really great to get it. Yeah, yeah. We were just in Chengdu a couple weeks ago and uh, talking to everybody and, uh, you know, just kind of been immersed in the mining mining uh, industry there. We had a good time. By the way, how big is Chengdu as a city? Yeah, 20, 20 million or so. Twenty million officially, no, no big deal. Yeah, so it's one of those uh, uh, Chinese cities I've never heard of as an American, you know, without a <laughs> global sense. And it's what seven million people more than New York City. Is that uh, right? New York is like six million, million, so it's like twelve million more, right? I thought New York was like fourteen million, but yeah, we need a fact check. Yeah, there, there are third tier cities in China that are bigger than New York. Beer man, fact check, please, wow. real time. Uh, I bring up mining because this is not on our top list of topics, but I am curious, especially we have you in the the studio here can we compete in mining mining of course we got west yeah. texas with layer one of course. you know okay yeah i mean the u.s, the US is already the i think uh I don't know, we're kind of speaking maybe out of uh, our expertise here but already 100 uh, everything gas, i say is big, the biggest export of the world now we we can, we can make it happen in the u.s uh, in terms of like energy production and, and using it for bitcoin it's just hey who what's the commercial uh you know play there and is it uh, you know the right thing to do economically? I will say so, though, you know, China's got solar going much better than we have going right now. Like, Why do you think that? Well, I mean, China's been investing in solar like crazy. All of the they're exporting a lot of like the physical like hardware that's important for solar. But uh, I mean, it's not the it's not like China has a better uh, angle from the sun or anything. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're they're pointing resources toward it. We're still pointing resources toward you know coal and uh, all that kind of you know like. We, we won't see the dividends now, or they won't see the dividends now, but in 15 years, I bet they'll see the dividends of all this investment they're putting into it. Yeah. You're going to say something? Yeah, no. So, I mean, we're talking about mining, and then uh, you're, you're saying that uh, blockchain is more, like, friendly and uh, more open to, like, development in China. So, I, I've, I've been having this question the last few minutes about regulation. Is it safe to say, in, like, a broader sense, that the U.S. regulation is a lot more restrictive and, uh, I guess, strict, to be frank? Uh, than China, and China's a lot more supportive in no, blockchain? No, or? no, no. I mean, uh, certainly, like, it's, it's trending that direction, and, like, the, the comments from Xi are more... Uh, and, and this, it's gotten a lot of attention, rightfully so, because it's, it's uh, really been, like, a, a Kickstarter there okay. recently. But, I mean, this, in the five-year plan uh, back in 2016, which is when I moved over there, uh, the five, they uh, put out a, a five-year plan that we uh, translated, published at Bitcoin Magazine, actually. But, uh, you know, in blockchain, AI, uh, you know, a couple of other things were like the five technology pillars of the next five-year plan. And so blockchain has been, you know, part of their narrative for a long time. Um, so the thing, the thing that they're not as friendly towards uh, regulatory-wise as the U.S. is, is like <laughs> cryptocurrency in general, like trading and, uh, you know, buying and selling. Uh, oh, okay. Is it legal like to buy? Paying for things. It's... And then, uh, is it legal to buy Bitcoin? The public in nature China? of Bitcoin is still a problem in, in China a little bit. Gotcha. Is it legal to buy Bitcoin in China right now? Do we know? Is it legal to buy Bitcoin in China? Yeah. Uh, it's not legal to interact with, uh, like payments and things like that. Like financial institutions can't interact with, uh, Bitcoin in that way. But, uh, the so TC ever- market is, is very strong in China, obviously. The exchanges that are thought of as Chinese, like Hobie and OKCoin, are doing really yeah. well. So, 
one of the cool things, and then uh, we'll get to the next topic, and I really am excited about the Bitcoin in Asia podcast, is like really telling those stories. because we oh, yeah, we're going to be talking to the right people about the right topics. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you mentioned excited, Bitcoin yeah. and OKX and, and those folks. I mean, there's the whole, like, obviously PayPal Mafia, which is really well known, and then there's whole, this whole, like, thing about the Coinbase Mafia, but there's, like, 30 different uh, quote-unquote That's a great mafias. point. And, and uh, you know, to... Uh, because you've met a lot of these OKCoin guys in your time at Bernasia. But uh, yeah, OKCoin is a great example of a company that uh, people know, but they don't know that, you know, there are like 30 successful blockchain startups, uh, you know, running now in Asia that were former co- uh, OKCoin uh, people CZ under Starship. Was OKCoiner? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And one of the cool things, though, but yours is, your focus is, again, on Bitcoin in Asia and then the, the root of their kind of, the root being Bitcoin and how Bitcoin relates to yeah, all of these yep. stuff. For sure, topics. for sure, hundred percent. So I have zero idea because that uh, computer is uh, blacked out, but we're probably going up on time. Um, you got ten minutes. Cool, ten minutes. Beer man, good man. Uh, one of the fun things that we talk about is the bull market, bear market, and what was it? Last Friday we had a. For me, I'm a noob. I just got into Bitcoin today, and or sorry. Last eight Friday, days ago, last yeah, yeah, eight days ago, and it was amazing to see a parabolic just forty percent rip. And I was actually following on Bitcoin Twitter, and a lot of the OGs and people were like, "No, this is different because we we've seen gradual and you know inclines of forty percent over like let's say a few days and so on or whatever else have you." And it may have been uh, I forget who tweeted it out, uh, and I apologize for not uh, referencing you, but Maybe it was Eric like Voorhees said something about that. I think Voorhees or Eric yeah, I think I think it was Voorhees. Um, it was like this is the fourth largest uh increase in bitcoin price on a it, per day if it had closed above 10.3 or something yeah it would have been the third largest yeah which is i mean if you think about it in the history of bitcoin and we were able to witness and be a part like you know or at least for me selfishly to be like watching it happen on my couch i'm just like oh my god oh my god is it for amazing. the technology yeah well oh. okay so 100 percent. but at the end of the day wait you watched it on your couch you weren't in the office uh, well, it was like 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. Yeah, I mean, you guys are like, diehards. I love it. I actually, you know, have a little uh, kid I got to make sure that's, you know, breathing and eating and so on. But anyways, uh, it was just so freaking fascinating to see that, right? And then the debate, which I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, is like, all right, when's the bull or conversation is like, when's the bull or the question, when's the bull market? Are we still in a bear market or are we in a bull market right now? So I'm going to stop there and ask one question, which is, what is the next driver of the bull market? Mm. Okay. Uh, so, so you're assuming that we are in a bull market, but no, no, no I'm, well, I'm I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe we're in a what's, whatever what's the driver market. Of the next bull market. Yeah, what's the next gotcha. driver of a, of a bull market? Like I know already know Brandon because he and I have gone back and forth on this. He thinks we're in the the right in the middle. I'm putting words in your mouth, and you can correct me. Right in the middle of a bull market and we are not even close to finishing it off early middle yeah early middle yeah i mean i'll go first here uh first of all i don't think the price movement from last friday was that crazy i know in terms of like percentage wise and everything else it was crazy but if you zoom out like three weeks we we're basically going back to where we just were uh there's like some pretty good uh one week yeah. yeah, I mean, it, even one week. It, it, it's not that crazy of a move with some context. Uh, uh, it just felt crazy, and it did feel crazy. But, you know, I 
made this prediction on POV crypto, like at the beginning of this month or early last month, uh, that like, I think by the end of the year or early next year, almost, uh, uh, happy to hang my hat on before Bitcoin 2020, uh, we are going to see like 18, 19 K we're going to go past all time highs, uh, before the next conference. So like, is that a hot take? It's a hot take. It's a hot take. It's a hot take. There's a lot of people who you know want to see one or two k. There's a lot of people who want to see five k. Uh, so like, yeah, I don't even want to reference the people that. Are... Yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, I think we are in a bull market, uh, and this next bull market is just going to be the most insane thing we could ever expect. Uh, and like the reason being, like my driver is, uh, I think central banks are going to dip their feet in. And yeah. personally, you know, the real hot take is I think they already are. You can look at Venezuela and what Maduro is trying to do to, you know, float this Petro uh, uh, and like revamp his economy. I would be shocked if Maduro wasn't secretly, you know, buying Bitcoin and holding well, it to, to have a standard later on. Man, I'm going to butcher the guy's name. But he was on Marty's podcast. He's, I think, the founder of Ledin, Venezuelan guy. Oh, man, I'm not going Buddy. I'm going to give you a shout out next time on the pod. Uh, but he, he claimed like he, that's already happening. It's something along the lines of, uh, and I'll, I'll correct this because it's definitely going to be wrong, but it'll be directionally right, uh, that there's some Maduro cronies that are actually going out and buying Bitcoin uh, right now. They're just printing more, uh, whatever mm-hmm. the boulevards are. Handing and, it to like local BTC, local Bitcoin going, kind of thing. And, and they're just going, buying mm-hmm. it up and then putting it. Well, I mean, Again, we could go into it, but I thought Maduro was saying, like, here's my crypto balance sheet and so on to go and get funding from X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. There you go. So nation states kind of agree. That's going to play. I don't know if it's playing as much as... It's playing right now. And the only thing is, is that they haven't come forward yet to say it because they're all trying to accumulate without everyone else knowing it. Yeah. I mean, uh, the here's the real bold prediction from all of this is that one of the global superpowers in the next 30 years is going to be one of these like totally irrelevant countries that has been secretly stockpiling Bitcoin and is now going to be like a financial superpower in the next you know uh, iteration of global economies. So uh, there's your wild Super Bowl Bitcoin I don't know how, uh, I, I like prediction. It. What about it's you, Tyler? I, I love I love Brandon's take, uh, but, but we're in the more on the bear side. No, no, not on the bear side. I just I think and I mean we can all agree on how Bitcoin changes people's time preference. And I definitely think that the central banks buying Bitcoin narrative is like pretty far away because we have this, there's a time preference associated with Bitcoin. And if you see why people, like if, see, if you see why governments are printing money and what they're doing with it, I just feel like the time preference and, you know, just the, I mean, unless they're just printing extras to buy Bitcoin and that's all secretive, sure. But I just think fundamentally the time preference of holding Bitcoin for that long is so anti what governments print money excessively to do in the first place for uh that i don't think they're doing it for another for a while can i just add into like how hilarious is it that bitcoin exists at the same time as mmt (laughs) right coincidence or no is i don't know if it's a coincidence (laughs) but like the fact that there is an actual prevalent economic theory that says we can just print money forever and it won't hurt anything is is so funny when you're sitting in bitcoin i just had to throw that in there Government money will never go away if you ask some. But back to your question about bull market and... Uh, the driver of the next bull market. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, so whenever someone asks about a bull market, I love... I think 
I think Melton was one of the first people that I heard say it in person where I was like, oh, that's true. But we've always been in the bull market, first of all, because Bitcoin started at, you know, cents. It was worthless at one point. And now we're all the way sure. here. So, you know, bull market all the way to, you know, moon. But I just think the bull market in general is really a, uh, a result of the right before the bull market, which also is worth adding that we don't really know what a bull market is until you know, the price is two, three, four X from all time highs, or maybe, you know, we pass all time highs and that's when we have a bull market. So it's always in retrospect, but just in general, I think a bull market is driven by people buying up Bitcoin because they like it and they see this value in it. And that happens for a really long time, you know, months, years, two, three years. And then the float gets so scarce and thin and so, so much of the supply is held up by people not selling when it goes up that then when you have a tight float for something that's fundamentally scarce and you can't make more of it, which we've never really seen before, as people know, when that happens and people want to buy up that small remaining amount that's circulating on exchanges, I mean, the price moves on skates. And we just, you, that's why we've never seen anything like, you know, actually, that might even be why we went up 40%. We have a bunch of combinations of things like accumulation from institutions all through, you know, the three, five, six, seven K. And then we have people trading. So you have stops and everything like that. And then you have a very limited supply and people just buying up and being like, maybe this is it. Yeah. It's just buying and selling. I don't know. Going on the scarcity thing too. It's in like rounding up, you know, kind of my theory here. Happening is in uh, May. Is it Preston? No, it's not. Might be April. Uh, Might be April. Could be April. If we get a whole bunch of hash power on the system uh, in the network in November, December, we'll have our first major central bank come out and say that they're sitting on, Bitcoin that they're like backing their currency with this November, December, Whoa. this November, December. So like tomorrow's November one by my calculations. Okay. Not yeah, sure. not, not okay. November, December, 2020. Okay. Just to be clear. I mean, this after is- the happening. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, December. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got so like it. when, when you have that start, like bull, bull run and they start seeing like the bull runs happening and their goal is to push it as high as possible to make their uh, investment look as smart as possible. They announce it to just skyrocket the price even more. So here's my dumb take which is there's the nation states, there's the institutions, right? Like those are just huge checkbooks, obviously, right? One, that can just print their own money. Yeah. And two, that just like plague with ounce money. Or I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I do think there's an interesting way when you look at loyalty points and credit card points and so on, and you're seeing so many of these amazing companies, like you're seeing companies like an, uh, like an amazing company like Casa with Sats back, and you're seeing another amazing company like a... a you know, whether it's drop it, bottle pay, uh, pay, P-E-I, to Lolly, Lolly which is an amazing one, Fold, which is an amazing one. Um, they're incentivizing, and this one blows my mind, they're incentivizing people with SATs. And I think there need, there's going to be, sooner than later, a mind shift. And Matt O'Dell's been pushing this for a long time. Shout out, Matt. That thinking in SATs. And... And that loyal, I mean, but to your point, Tyberg, about the scarcity, like how long can they, those folks be shelling out uh, sats? Like those marketing budgets are in the millions and they're buying up sats, I assume. I don't know this. And so if there's a constant buy pressure to buy all of those sats and put them into new wallets or existing wallets, that's a whole nother avenue. I need to write this a little bit up and put this uh, pen to paper, but I think there's something there. I think, and just to add to that, I don't know if it provides any more clarity, but I think that the way Lolly or I think Alex explained this on some podcast, but he basically 
Lolly, from what I heard, if and someone correct me if I'm wrong, but they go to a, a Walmart or something, and this is how they get them to give sats back. They basically go to them and say, hey, we have a whole crowd, an audience of Bitcoiners. They're going to spend, totally. you know, in order to get sats back, let them get a discount at your store, and then whenever they spend, I think Lolly does actually buy back some sats every time a purchase like that happens. So I think they take, like, the percentage of the rebate or whatever that is, and they're giving the sats back to the yeah, individual and in they their just own buy wallet, there, which is yeah. dope. AF, as the kids, as you kids like to say. Oh, Rob. Anyways, ah, man, doxing. Okay. That's right. That's right. The, uh, all right. So we're probably well above our time and people are probably tuned out by now. So, uh, any, uh, closing like tidbits and so on you guys want to say? 11 years. Good 11 years. Another, uh, 11 years ago, this was a thought on a paper. Isn't that wild? (laughs) I love hearing what people did before Bitcoin because no one was like, oh, I was doing Bitcoin. No, you weren't. What were you doing? It's so crazy. People were doing the most random things. Yeah, we should actually, uh, that's a good, really good point. I'm going to ask, like, what were you doing 11 years ago? And just, Seriously. I was a piece of delivery guy. I was in college. I was like, you know, middle school, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. All right. Well, boys, cheers again. Cheers. Thanks cheers. for doing cheers. this. No, I'm empty. But cheers. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in. We're going to be back next week. And uh, now thinking off the top of my head, I think we need to tell a story of like, how in the heck does Bitcoin Magazine end up in Nashville? Uh, we need Live to from Nashville, yeah, we never said that. I know, like Nashville, Tennessee, right? Yeah. Bitcoin in Nashville, Tennessee. Although we've oh. been to Riga, we've been to Berlin, all these amazing places. Like Nashville is another amazing uh, place and Bitcoin is very, very prevalent here. Thank you. Um, so let's make that happen. So thanks for tuning in. See you next time. See you.